Amen. Will you remain standing with me as we read in God's word together, as we read from the book of Luke, story of Jesus as a boy. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We've been in a sermon series called Not a Silent Night. And as we've been in this series, we've been following the story of Christmas through the person of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what was it like for her as she was parenting the Christ child, the one who was both fully God and fully human? We began as Mary was older and near the end of her life. And then we followed her just a little bit uh, before that, when Jesus himself was crucified. And now we go back in time a little further, to this point at which Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. Mary at this time would have been around my age, was around 26. And, and, And I find this story so interesting, because I feel that the most defining points in our lives are those that are full of stress, full of anxiety, and full of pressures. That in those moments, we really find out who we are and what we believe and what we actually think we know. I think that this story is so interesting because it's the only account of Jesus that we have when he's 12. All the other Gospels include a birth of Jesus, a birth narrative of how he was born, how his birth was announced. And then it skips this 30-year period, and then we find Jesus again when he's being baptized by John and beginning his ministry about age 30. But Luke is the only one who includes this story of Jesus when he's 12. The question then is, why? Why this story? And one of the reasons, I believe, is because these types of stories, these stories in which parents lose their children are almost like a parenting rite of passage. I think we all kind of have these moments. Now, um, I'm a father, um, and, and my daughter, Anna, is one and a half. Say hi, Anna. Hi. Um, my daughter's one and a half, and I haven't lost her yet. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good, right? But I have been the one who was lost. In fact, my parents have uh, kind of held this story over and over again. It's been told to me uh, a dozen times at least. This story about whenever I was two years old and my parents took me to Sam's for their normal everyday errands. And I had done really well the whole, t- the whole trip. I-, I had sat in the cart in the seat as my mom pushed me around. 
and we went throughout the entire store and got all the items we were supposed to get. And then it came time to check out. And as my mom stood in line, I started wiggling and squirming, and finally it was time for me to get out of the cart. And so my mom lifted me up and put me down on the ground next to my dad, whom she thought was paying attention. But as men do, we never are, right? And, and so my dad was actually turned around and was rummaging through this rack of clothes next to the checkout line. And so my mom moves forward in the line and finally gets to the conveyor belt where she can unload all of her items. And she turns around to look at my dad and looks down and I'm not there. And she looks at my dad and she says, where's Andy? My dad looks down and he looks in the cart and he makes eye contact with my mom and and they share that look, right? You've had that look, that, oh no, And they've realized now what's happened, and they start looking around for me, and they realize that I'm not in the immediate vicinity. And so my mom turns to the cashier, and she tells the cashier what has happened, and, you know, describes me to the cashier. I think the words good-looking was used. And (laughs) she describes me to the cashier, and, and the cashier now runs to the security guard to let him know what has happened, and now he has to go to the door so that they can literally shut down Sam's, and now this security guard has to go through all of the carts that are moving out the door to make sure that I'm not in this cart, and now there's this huge line being built up at the door as people are trying to leave Sam's, and my mom and dad start combing through the, in- in the entire store, and all of these managers and these employees are now walking up and down the aisles just going, Andy, Andy, and and they're looking for a two-year-old. They're looking at like this two-foot height level, and they just keep going up and down calling for me. And finally, an employee finds me. I had gotten into the display of the bunk beds and had climbed up to the top bunk and had laid there just watching TV across the aisle. (laughs) I know it's as profound as the story of Jesus, but I was laying there. The employee grabs me down and takes my hand and walks me back to my parents. My parents, of course, just are relieved. My dad had just been sick the entire time, was just holding his stomach, and now they had finally found me. And my mom says they couldn't even say anything. They just picked me up and held me and hugged me. And they just walked out of the store in silence, loaded me into the car, just drove home. Not a word. My mom says that I was gone for 15 minutes, and it felt like hours. I was gone for 15 minutes, and Jesus was gone for three days. Can you imagine the turmoil that Mary and Joseph went through as they searched for their son? The gospel writer of Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph and Jesus had all gone to Jerusalem for the Jewish festival of Passover. It's the Jewish festival during which they celebrate the liberation of the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt. And so they had come down from Nazareth to celebrate this festival, and they've done the celebration, and now it's time to go home. And so they gather in the caravan of all the people who are heading back in the same direction, and, and they start to head out that way, Mary and Joseph, yet Jesus has stayed behind. Parents know how this can happen, right? I mean, you think the other has the child, and the other thinks that you have the child, and this is how it happened. Except when Mary and Joseph left Jerusalem, they traveled a full day's journey till finally it was time to make camp, and as I imagine 
Joseph is pulling out the tents and Mary approaches Joseph and says those words, right? Where's Jesus? Joseph says, I thought he was with you. And they share that look, that, oh no. But they've been a whole day's journey away from Jerusalem now, so they so they start to look into the camp. Maybe somebody around here has seen Jesus, and they start asking around, have you seen our son? Have you seen Jesus? Nobody has seen him. Now they realize they have to go back to Jerusalem, some nine-hour journey back in the middle of the night to go find their son. And so they make the trek. They finally arrive in Jerusalem, and I imagine they started looking in the usual places, Right, Maybe the typical places, the places that we've been before that maybe Jesus might have known. And so they look in those places, but no Jesus. Maybe he's at a friend or family member's house, and so they go door to door and they start looking and saying, have you seen my son yet? No, Jesus. And I wonder, as the sun set and rose again, if they felt hope slipping through their fingers. If they're Stomachs nodded more and more as the hours passed. That I wonder if there was a point at which they stopped looking for a child and started looking for a body. And I wonder if they looked in the alleyways and in the back streets and in the gutters and in the dark corners. That as a parent, this truly has to be the worst feeling that one can ever experience. Until finally they go to the temple of all places. And there they find Jesus. Now when they find Jesus, he's sitting among the leaders and he's listening and asking questions. And the scripture tells us that everyone is amazed at Jesus' understanding. Now mind you, Jesus is 12 years old. Now I know that um, most of us here have kids or, or no kids, and, and I'm sure that, you know, yours are exceptional. But have you really ever been amazed by a 12-year-old? I mean, truly amazed by a 12-year-old. I think the English language is, is broken in kind of some way. Because I don't think the term amazing should be able to describe, like, the term amazing shouldn't be able to describe an episode of Dancing with the Stars and the Grand Canyon. Right? It, it shouldn't be able to do that. I've seen both of those things. One of them is amazing, right? I mean, I've seen the Grand Canyon. And, and, and when I got there, I just couldn't speak at first. I mean, I got to the Grand Canyon, and I, and I had heard about it, and, and I had read about it, and I'd seen pictures of it, but when I got there, I was speechless. I mean, the magnitude of the whole thing, it was so big and so beautiful, and I was amazed. Now imagine being amazed at the 12-year-old Jesus. Imagine a 12-year-old coming in front of us today and reading the scripture and preaching a sermon and all of us just being amazed, being speechless. That those gathered around Jesus were beginning to understand that there was something more to this boy than we first thought. Jesus is gathered with 
the leaders and he's asking questions and everyone around him is amazed at his understanding. And Mary and Joseph are there and, and Mary, I'm sure, felt this huge sense of relief just wash over her as soon as she saw her son sitting in the temple. But as soon as that feeling left her, this feeling of anger kind of rose up. Right? He's been gone for three days. And so she approaches Jesus and she says, Jesus, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Great anxiety. That term there for anxiety in Greek is adunao. And Luke actually uses that term over and over again throughout his gospel. He uses it again in Luke chapter 16. Jesus is telling a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus is a poor man who begs at the front gate of of the rich man's house. Yet the rich man passes by Lazarus day in and day out. And so finally, both of them pass away. And Jesus says that the rich man goes into the pit where there is torment, yet Lazarus goes to heaven. He calls it Abraham's bosom. And the rich man cries out from the pit. And he cries out to Abraham to let Lazarus let but a drip of water reach his tongue, for he says, I am in agony in the flames. That agony, that's aduna o. When Mary comes to Jesus and she says, we've been looking for you, she says, in great agony, Jesus, you've literally put us through hell. Jesus looks at his mother and he says, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Now, I think that is exceptional for Jesus to say, but I think it's only exceptional if we consider what Mary first said to him. Your father and I have been searching for you. Did you not know I'd be in my father's house? Your father and I, my father's house. That Jesus pits this term father against his own mother. That I'm sure when Joseph was first told that Mary would bear a son, that I wonder if he ever thought this day would come. That he knew at one point when Gabriel told him that Mary would bear the son of God, that he would be called the son of the Most High, that if he thought that this moment would come like this. I think it's, it's, it's exceptional. The fact that a 12-year-old boy can be gone for three days. And whenever his parents finally find him, that his parents are the ones who have been in agony. His parents are the ones who have been suffering. And the 12-year-old boy who can't even fend for himself is the one who is calm. Because, he says, I've been in my father's house. I think the reason that Jesus was able to say those words was because of his mother, because of Mary. You see, when Mary finds out that she's going to bear the son, Jesus, that he will be named God saves, that he will be the son of the most high, that he will be the son of God, that she is to bear this person. She is 14 years old. She's a teenager. 
and she's not married. I don't know about you, but I've heard this story before. I've heard about teenagers being pregnant, and the way they respond is, well, as you imagine, pretty dramatic. Yet when Mary hears about this news, hears that she will bear the Son of God, hears that she will bear the Son of the Most High, she looks at the angel Gabriel and she says, let it be with me according to your will. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That because of this woman who could stand up in a time of great adversity, a woman who could sit in the middle of one of the most stressful events of her life, this woman who could bear all of this pain and in that moment could claim the name of God, that she could bear this son who would 12 years later go missing for three days and would never fret because he says, I am in my father's house. That 20 years later, whenever Jesus will be arrested, when he will be tried for crimes of treason against the Roman government, that he will be pitted against a council who either decide to let him go or let him suffer one of the worst pains imaginable of crucifixion, that as he stands before this council, they will look at him and they will say, are you the son of God? Jesus can look at them and say, yes, you have said so. That because Jesus could stand in this time of great adversity, of great stress, and claim that God is the Father, that that must truly leave some hope for us. Jesus invites us into that relationship of having God as our Father. In Luke 11, when Jesus is asked how to pray by his disciples, he begins it by saying, make sure you say, our Father. Now, I fully acknowledge the fact that for some of us, and for most of us, our relationship with our parents very much affects our understanding of God. That for some of us to call God Father might bring up memories of someone who was neglectful, or someone who was absent, or someone who was abusive. But I want you to know this is not the type of relationship that Christ invites us to. Throughout the Gospels, whenever Jesus speaks of God, he doesn't just use the Greek word pater, which means father or the head of the household. Jesus uses the word Abba. Abba, which means daddy. Daddy. Now, as I said, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Anna. Um, This is her, and she's really cute and loves pizza. And one of the really cool things is that she's learned how to say daddy really well. And so I can come home and she can look at me and say daddy. And that's a really good feeling. I can come home and it doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter how many times I've messed up that day. It doesn't matter what I've done or who I've done it to. I can come home and have the worst day that I've ever had in my life. I can be the worst person that I've ever been in my life, but I can come home. And my daughter can look at me 
She can smile. And she says, Daddy. And everything else melts away. That's the relationship that Jesus invites us to. In those times of great stress, those times of great anxiety, those times when pressure seems to be building upon us where we can't hardly stand it, those are the times that define us the most. And it's in those times that Christ and even Mary invite us to hold open our arms and say, Daddy, will you pray this prayer with me? Come, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, guide us to a fuller understanding of what it means to live for you. As we prepare for your arrival at Christmas, make us ever more aware of your words and open our heart to be amazed and astounded by them. In your name we pray. Amen.